Welcome. You're listening to the Golf Under Par podcast. As the title suggests, on the GUP, we talk about all things relating to golf performance, so you can golf under par. While listening, you'll hear discussion on all facets of golf, physical, mental, and whatever else will make you a better golfer. I'm your host, Dr. Jeremy McCullough. I'm a golfer myself, as well as a physical therapist and strength coach. Let's take this journey together to golf under par. Thank you for listening. Now let's dive in. Here with Matt Santoro. That's how you say your last name, right, Matt? Yeah, that's it, Santoro. All right. So Matt is a physical therapist. He is, well, why don't I just have you tell me a little bit about what you're doing, your background here. Yeah, sure. Get things uh, all pulled up. Perfect. So yeah, I'm a physical therapist based out of central New Jersey. So if you imagine where New Jersey is and draw a vertical line and a horizontal line, right where those two meet are pretty much where I live. Um, so been a physical therapist for about four years, um, have a little bit of a background in strength and performance as well. Um, so I have some certifications through a Titleist Performance Institute, Precision Nutrition, and then with all the stuff that I learned in PT school, try to group all that together and then work with golfers, work with really anybody. Uh, the clinic I work at is predominantly orthopedics. And then I have my own business for uh, rehab and performance to kind of bridge the gap between the two. Awesome. All right. So, so yeah, a lot of, a lot of resource here from, from Matt and, and whatnot. So he is in, in the group. So you guys are welcome to hit him up with questions uh, regarding whatever we talk about today. But we are talking about the hip. That is what this week's all about that I've been doing. But wanted to give you another, another expert's insight. So Matt is a perfect expert to be, be talking about here with, with us. So um, what, what led you to become a golfer and a physical therapist? Kind of what's, what is your background on, on those, both of those? We know so, you have your businesses and stuff going on with that. Yeah, so the first time I uh, picked up a golf club was actually through Boy Scouts. A buddy of mine was doing the golf merit badge, and he needed someone else to do it with him. So he asked me and started that way. I grew up playing hockey and baseball, so golf was never really something I had time for. Um, because of playing hockey, I dislocated my knee a few times, had to go for therapy, and so I uh, fell in love with it. I was 14 when I went for therapy the first time, and that's when I decided I wanted to become a physical therapist um, and then got back into golf after undergraduate, so right before starting PT school. And then everything that I learned, I tried to figure out how I could apply to the golf swing, how I could apply to working with golfers, and then it just snowballed from there. Awesome. Um, so... I wish I knew that I was wanted to be a physical therapist when I was 14. That would have been helped out a lot. Yeah, so it worked out real well. A few things. For <laughs> yeah. Um, planning out your, your life a little bit faster. And it took me until I was like 22 to figure that out. So, all right. So, hey, at least you figured it out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There we go. All right. So, next thing so what is what is the role um that you find the hip plays in in the golf swing so the the hips do two main things really um the hips are one of the main rotary centers so they're super important as far as range of motion goes but they're also that link that connects the lower body to the upper body so anything that happens like ground reaction forces any sort of uh, vertical thrust has to go from the 
feet and the contact that the feet have with the ground through the hips. And that kind of helps that kinetic sequence. So the, the sequence that everybody uses to start the downswing, um, there's certain things that we see with golfers, especially uh, efficient golfers, that the hips are going to be what starts that downswing. And there's always some interrelation with the rest of the body for that. Um, so really just those two main things. It's the range of motion and it is that stability that creates the forces from the lower body into the upper body. So with that, what, what are some of the things that you see that kind of play with the, or that mess up the range of motion and that efficiency that you were talking about? Yeah. So, uh, lack of range of motion, um, can be a huge thing. So we'll, I'll break it down between the trail side and the lead side because there's a lot of different things that have to happen one side versus the next. Um, so when I'm screening golfers using a lower quarter rotation test, which is through the Titleist Performance Institute, we're looking for a total of 60 degrees of rotation um, going to the right and going to the left. We check that on both legs. Um, so we see what's going on in the backswing and the downswing. What happens with that, though, is it's not just hip mobility that you're looking at. You're also getting some knee. You're getting some ankle in there as well. So in the trail side during the backswing, we're typically going to see about 31 degrees for uh, proficient golfers. That's a sample taken from PGA, LPGA, Champions Tour, like really elite high-level players. Um, so it goes 31 degrees internally on the backswing and then 17 degrees uh, externally for the downswing. And the reason there's that different is because most golfers allow their foot to release and kind of turn with that uh, lower body. Once we get to that lead side, though, that's where we see a huge jump in required range of motion. So in the lead side for the backswing, we need 30 degrees, uh, or excuse me, 43 degrees of external rotation, which is a pretty massive amount. Uh, at impact, we typically see somewhere in like 10 degrees of uh, internal rotation. And then at the finish, we go back to 43 degrees internal rotation. So the lead side needs over 80 degrees of rotation total. If we don't have that, then some other stuff's going to happen. And then we'll get to that in a bit. But things that can relate or lead to having those like deficiencies in range of motion could be anything like just poor mechanics, people not knowing what to do, some problems with joint degeneration, arthritis, things like that, muscular tightness, uh, even some problems that the foot could relate to uh, some pain or discomfort or deficiencies higher up in the chain. A lot of times I see that at the hip so that someone will have something going on at the foot and then we need to correct that so we can allow their hip to do what it's supposed to do. Yeah. It's going to think of the, like the foundation there of the foot and feet are the foundation for the legs. And the, I always talk about the hip being the foundation for the rest of the upper body there. Absolutely. Right. So, so yeah, you got, you got to address uh, all those different things. So with that, you talk about all the, the range of motion that you expect at the hips during that are ex that we're expecting during the golf swing. Mm -hmm. So what are, what are some things that you use to exercises, mobility exercises that you use to address these limitations? If somebody yeah. can find that. So everyone's going to be a little bit different, obviously. And so really screening them and figuring out what the cause is. Uh, like if someone came to me and said, Hey, I have some hip problems. Like I get hip pain during golf. Um, 
like we said, that a lot of times the foot could be the problem. So figuring out what's going on is super crucial. Um, but at the hip joint itself, uh, a lot of the things that I like to use to increase uh, range of motion uh, would be some like banded hip mobilizations. We I use a ton of those where we'll take one of the thick super bands, kind of get that into the groin area, uh, apply some tension to that. So this way the hip is separating. So we have the two parts, we have the head of the femur, and then we have the socket or the acetabulum that it sits in. We want to open up a little bit of space and that has some effects with uh, how the brain perceives that joint. And then that could increase some range of motion that way. Um, after that and some other tissue prep like uh, foam rolling or lacrosse balls, things like that, then I like to use uh, cars or they're controlled articular rotations. It's a FRC technique that there's one for pretty much every main joint. And with the cars, what we're doing is we're trying to take that body part through maximal range of motion. So it's going to be tough to see on uh, the audio version of this, but uh, I'll describe it as much so people can kind of imagine it so you can do it either standing or in quadruped or hands and knees so we'll start in that hands and knees position and the first thing you do is you pull your knee up towards your chest as far as you can go and on each of these movements effort is really big we want to go through as much range of motion as possible from pulling the knee up towards your chest we bring the hip out to the side rotating internally get out into like a fire hydrant kind of position um as if you were a dog having to go to the bathroom on a fire hydrant, that's probably the best image that I give people that they can really relate to that. From there, you're going to kind of swoop the hip out to the side, around to the back, and then lift upwards as if you're trying to kick someone above you. And then you return down to that starting position and you reverse the motion. So with any of the car's uh, movements, reversing it going in both directions is definitely crucial. <laughs> From there, I like to do some things called hip hurdles, which will have someone in a long sitting position or sitting down with their legs extended and then lifting the leg up and over something, um, even some things like rolling patterns. So, so those are some of the tools that I like to use. And depending on the person, that's going to really dictate what they need and what sort of things that we prescribe for them. Okay. Going back to your the banded mobilizations that you talked yeah. about. Which way is that band pulling again? Uh, so there's a couple of different options depending on what their range of motion limitation is. So someone that has a range of motion limitation one way is going to dictate which direction we go in. Um, so if we're, for me, I'm a right-handed golfer. So if we're trying to get at my lead side, my left side, the band is going to go through the groin and then pulling towards the left. What that band is trying to do is to pull that joint away from the pull its components apart. So um, if we have the socket here and we have the head of the femur there, we're trying to separate. So uh, if we're going for the left hip, the band will be going to the left. If we're going for the right hip, the band's going to be going to the right. There's also some benefits to having the band in front of you kind of pulling uh pulling your hip forward, um, and even some benefits pulling the hip backwards. Like I said, it's just dependent on which one we need. 
typically though i like the band pulling the hip forward or out to the side i think those are the the top two that i use for for folks yeah i'd agree that's the same thing if i'm going to use that same thing um and it does depend uh, if it's hip flexor you know tension or something along those lines or if i'm looking to increase uh internal rotation like you yep. were mentioning all those degrees of internal rotation so for for most people like back pain that are limited hip hip mobility and in a golfer having that looped up around the, the leg that's in front of you right and then it's pulling yep. out to the side is that a fair sounds, a, fair sounds like what i use yep all right cool and so uh and then there was oh you mentioned rolling why don't you briefly describe what you mean with with the rolling okay and, and how does that help somebody with their hip range of motion all right so uh rolling is something that we are pretty much all able to do at some point. I have a 10 month old daughter, so I see her doing a ton of this. And when she first learned how to do it, I just sat there and watched her roll back and forth for at least 20 minutes because the people that I typically work with during the day can roll nowhere near that. And she is far younger than than they are. Um, so what we're trying to do with those patterns, uh, we'll start, let's say, lying on the back. And then we'll have the person imagine that they're unable to use anything from the waist up, have them lift one leg up and bring it over so it forces their entire body to roll. And when that's happening, you really need to use internal or external rotation depending on which way you're rolling to. The One of the problems that I see people having of why they can't use range of motion is just because they don't know how to use the range of motion because life is so sedentary uh, as I'm sitting here right now, the, the body doesn't maintain what it doesn't need. So it's extremely efficient in that way that if it doesn't need to spend the resources on keeping the range of motion and keeping those patterns fresh, it's just going to go away. So by teaching people how to use their body again, we see that there's a big increase in that range of motion just because the brain's aware of it. It's similar to what happens with foam rolling. We're making the brain aware of that area um, in addition to some blood supply things that we've seen through some research. Uh, because the brain's more aware of it, you get better results. Awesome. Yeah, I always talk about just changing the perception of that area. So I agree with that 100%. Awesome. Uh, so let's move on from from our mobility restrictions there and let's get into what about strengthening up the hip? You kind of had alluded to that earlier. What kind of exercises are we talking about or what do you oftentimes recommend with common uh, limitations you find in golfers? All right. Yeah. So once uh, someone has pretty good range of motion, we don't want to strengthen them with poor range of motion that just reinforces the poor range of motion that they have. So once we've done some tissue work and some mobility exercises to kind of free that hip up, we definitely want to stabilize it. Um, and I think one of the best things to do to increase the uh, hip strength and hip mobility stability complex is to increase your core stability. Um, so like we talked about teaching the body how to work and also the hips being the foundation for the upper body if we have enough core stability where the hips don't have to work overtime for the rest of the core then that can be extremely beneficial so um, there's three main groups that i use for that core stability stuff um, anti-flexion anti-extension anti-rotation and a lot of those are all just fighting positions um, so there's an exercise i'll use called a pal-off press uh, for anti-rotation where the person will be holding a band in front of them with 
the band being anchored to the right or to the left. And their only job is to not let the pelvis move or not let the upper body move to really increase that stability. Um, other things that I like to do are in, increase glute strength. So the two big muscles on, uh, on the back of the hips there, um, mainly because the glutes are the one part of the body that is that can be responsible for 12 different swing flaws or swing characteristics. So if we don't have strong enough glutes to really create that stability, you can see things that you wouldn't even imagine on, uh, on a golf swing. So people that have a loss of posture or a flat shoulder plane can be because their glutes are weak. So the, the, series that I'll send people through for that are bridges, uh, where you're laying on your back, lifting your rear end up. Then from a quadruped or a hands and knees position, we'll do some kickbacks, which are kind of like those cars exercise or part of those cars exercise that we talked about. From there, we'll go up into a tall kneeling position and doing uh, what are called sit backs or tall kneeling hip extensions. And then lastly, once those patterns are really good and people know how to get into the hips and use those, uh, we'll do like a hinge or a deadlift type of pattern. Um, so, is the kneeling, is that a hip hinge in the kneeling pattern? Is that what you meant by hip or sit backs? Yeah, so uh, tall kneeling, so both knees are down, toes are pulled up towards the shins, and then from there have the butt sitting back on the heels and then pushing forward so you're going to have a straight line between your knees, your hips, and your shoulders. Um, so those are ones yeah. I like. Other stuff would just be increasing your single leg stability and balance. Uh, balance is really, really big, and that can have a big impact in the hips. So uh, like a single leg deadlift type of pattern, even single leg things where I'm working their upper body. So like a single leg row where you're standing on one leg doing a row or uh, some hurdle steps where you're standing on one leg, you have to bring your foot up and over something and return it back. Uh, for people who are familiar with the FMS, it's kind of like the hurdle step pattern there where you have to maintain a tall upright posture, bring their foot up and over something, tap the heel and then return it into that same starting position without losing their balance. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Um, <clears throat> so why don't you talk a little bit more about, about the importance of balance since you brought that up with, with regard to golf swing and yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So golf's kind of funny in that we practice completely different than the way we play. So a lot of folks are either hitting off mats or hitting off a driving range where the lie is usually pretty standard and pretty flat. Um, and then depending on what part of the country you live in, once you actually get out onto the course, that might not be the case. Um, so this past week was supposed to be Masters Week, which would have had a ton of uneven lies, having the ball above the feet, the ball below the feet. So the body has to adapt to that. Um, and if the body or the lower body isn't able to balance well enough, and like we said, the hips are going to be the foundation for the upper body, the two of those are going to interplay. So what we need to do is to improve the balance enough for the rest of the lower body so that the hips can do part of their job being as stable as possible for the rest of the swing. So if you do encounter an, a lie where you're going to be kind of tilted backwards because you're on a downslope with the ball above your feet, you need to be able to hit that shot not only for your score, but also so you don't fall back, have your buddies laugh at you, and then you're out of the season because you ended up like 
tearing your hip labrum or you sprained your ankle, something like that. All right. Yeah. That sounds like a pretty good, uh, good idea. Not to do either <laughs> one of those. So, well, you mentioned the one, the one exercise kind of like that hurdle step uh, yeah. over, over something to work that balance. Got anything else that, that would be a good thing to, to help work balance to improve, you know, swing efficiency and stuff like that. Um, so, a lot of times on like social media, I'll see a lot of like stability ball things or BOSU ball things. Um, personally, not a huge fan of those. Um, I know some people love them and that they really find benefit for them. I think in some cases it's com adding complexity for the sake of complexity. Um, like there was a really big video of Justin Thomas going around swinging at like 120 miles an hour, kneeling on a, uh, on a stability ball. And while that's great, I just don't see the, why he would have to do that unless he's trying to combine like paddle boarding and wakeboarding <laughs> with golf, uh, which is a great idea. It could definitely be entertaining to watch. Um, but if anything is for like unstable surfaces, I'll use uh, like an air X pad, which seems it's, a, it's flatter. Um, so there is a little bit of give to it, uh, but it does challenge the stability that way. And then even things like just kind of changing your footing. So going from a split stance where you have one foot in front of the other to a square stance where your feet are at the same level and then a single leg stance, that provides enough complexity for most of the folks that I'm working with that I don't really need to get them into some of those uh, a little bit crazier situations. Most of the folks I'm working with have jobs, desk jobs during the day and little changes are able to provide a big enough uh, challenge for them that they don't really need to get to that like super high level of complexity for complexity. Right. Right. And that's what I always tell them. Like, I don't know the rest of the story behind that video or why Justin Thomas was doing that exercise or if it was just like, Hey, look what I can do kind of a thing yeah. or whatnot. But, um, but yeah, it's definitely not something that's for the, the light of hearted and uh, the, the average golfer. And I, it's, I agree the same thing with you. It's like, you know, if you're doing if you're doing those, you know, like lunges and split squats and and maybe like single leg RDLs, you're getting yep. a good amount of stability with those exercises as long as you're being focused on maintaining that good balance and whatnot. So yeah, absolutely. You can you take out a lot of injury risk. No one wants to end up losing their golf season because they were working out at the gym. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's the risk risk reward kind of a thing. You always got to look at all your training aspects. There's always a risk for doing exercise. Yep. There's always a risk for not doing exercise too. I mean, we can talk about cardiac disease. I was just talking to my uh, somebody the other day about all this. Like, okay, yes, there's a risk. You might get injured. You might tear. You might pull a muscle, or you know, potentially, you know, get hurt by doing lifting or something along those lines. But the other flip side is you could have heart disease. You can have, uh, you know, number of things, diabetes, all these other other lists for not doing it. So there's a there's a risk reward for everything that we do. And we have to think about that is what's our why for including these exercises. Absolutely. I don't know the why for why Justin Thomas was doing that balance exercise on a stability ball. Yeah. Is it something that I would recommend 95 to even 99% of people to try? No, no not, even, not even close. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, I'm right there with you on that. Yeah. Right. So <clears throat> talked about how, how important the hips are in, in developing an efficient swing and, and generating more power. So what, 
what do you recommend with golfers that are looking to improve efficiency, create more power? Obviously, distance is a huge thing that everybody wants. So yep. what do you got for us? Yeah, so um, as far as efficiencies go, I typically leave a lot of that over to their golf instructor, really generate uh, or listen to what their instructors have to say in order to figure out what they need specifically. So for some folks, it might be as simple as they don't know how to rotate their pelvis as efficiently um, going into a posterior pelvic tilt or pulling those two pointy hip bones up towards the head. For other people, they may not get into that lead side quick enough to generate power. So I kind of use that as my guide of what that person needs. Their golf instructors know a lot more about their golf swing than I do. So we'll take that lead. One of the keys though, um, is that in order to get fast, you need to train fast. So um, there are certain things that you can do with resistance in order to help someone get faster. Um, so as long as there's adequate strength, just like before, we needed good mobility to get uh, stability. We need good strength to get power. Um, so the stronger you are, the more powerful you can become. Um, so things that I like to do, um, there's a technique called post-activation potentiation. Um, it is a pretty complex word for a fairly simple concept. Uh, basically, the concept is that you're going to use some sort of heavy weight in order to trick the brain that it thinks that it still needs to move that weight, and, but we're going to remove it. So an example would be doing something like a leg press exercise and then waiting a little bit, depending on what research you look at, the time frames are different. Some are as short as like 90 seconds, others go up to almost 13 minutes. So uh, figure out what's going on for each person. But so we do that leg press exercise, give them a short rest period. And then from there, go into that power move, like a, uh, a box jump and really try to push them to get up to a higher level. Um, you could do other things like pushing a sled or a prowler and then translate that into sprinting or doing squats into squat jumps or deadlifts into broad jump. So there's a lot of different options about how you can kind of trick the nervous system. And then once that nervous system kind of adapts to that, then you're going to have more speed. Um, so I've seen a lot of people use like the super speed clubs and those have been pretty effective as far as teaching the body how to move faster. But the, the best thing to do is to move fast to get fast. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I find that we, as a society in general, most people playing at it's playing sports and whatnot. They're sprinting and doing agility work and whatnot, and and then you get into your typical nine to five, and you that just kind of goes out the window for the majority of people. And yeah. so then you start losing a little bit of that athleticism because you're not you're not doing the agility work, you're not doing the sprinting anymore. And so a lot of times I recommend, hey, just start getting out sprinting. You know, sprint Absolutely. ten seconds, and then jog for 20 30 seconds sprint another 10 seconds and just kind of do an interval training that way to kind of yeah. retrain the brain to say hey we can move fast again right yeah the key word that you use there is athleticism you know uh with golfers a lot of people don't think of them as athletes but you're swinging at sometimes up to 120 130 miles an hour especially if you're getting into the long drive guys and so becoming an athlete first is more important. Uh, so like training juniors is really important that way. Teach them how to be athletes, how to be dynamic and how to move well. And then that'll translate over not only into the golf course, um, which will give them lower scores, but also just teaches them how to be better people, how to move more efficiently. And then as people get older, uh, trying to get someone up and down onto a floor is 
challenging. So losing that little bit of athleticism that they had has a huge uh, repercussion later down in life. Yeah, exactly. I agree. Uh, so if you guys have any questions for Matt, we've got one more question for him before we wrap up here. Comment below and we'll answer that question. All right. If you guys want any any videos of kind of things that he talked about, um, I've done a couple of things he's mentioned in, in this week's series that I've been doing. Um, or we can get some other videos posted on here, whether it's myself or Matt. We can we'll get that on there. Uh, if you're watching live, comment live. If you're watching the replay, comment replay so we know who's seeing this and who's getting it. Again, questions below. We'll try to get to them. So, Matt, who else should should I get on here to, to talk to, to these golfers? Um, so some of the guys that I – listen to on podcasts guys like jay glass or uh jeff palazzaro both of them run awesome podcasts um uh, i think that both of them would be really good um i have a good buddy and a colleague who's a performance director at a country club so i can uh convince him to get on the show for a little bit uh yeah. talk about some some of the country club life and a lot of the people that he works with um so Joe's a performance director at Canoebrook Country Club uh, up in Summit, uh, Jersey. So that would be that'd be a cool thing uh, to get some perspective on that way. Uh, yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's always great to get a variety of, of information here because we are looking to make better golfers, right? That's and we want to get people better, and so that requires a team. That's something we kind of talked a little bit about earlier. We didn't necessarily specifically state that, but, you know, everybody has their job. Everybody has a role. Yep. Our job is to keep people healthy. Um, both of us having a strength back, strength conditioning background, uh, we do a little bit more fitness as well. And so we got that part. And then obviously the technical side is not our part and that's the, the pros job. So getting pros opinion on here would be awesome. Yeah. No one, no one wants my, uh, my opinions on the golf swing. They're, they're not that good. So <laughs> I leave that to the pros. Right. Right. Um, all right, Matt, thank you so much for coming on today. Uh, how can our audience kind of keep up with you or, or follow what you're doing or ask you any questions? Yeah. So, uh, my website is mattsantorodpt.com. Um, I do a bunch of stuff on there. Um, you talked about videos. I have a whole video series that I've been doing, um, on different form for exercises. So a lot of the exercises that I talked about are already up there. Um, so just kind of get up onto that website. I'll give you the link for it. Um, so you can kind of tie that into the show notes and then, uh, people can find me there. Um, my, as far as social media stuff goes, all my links are there as well. So Matt Santoro DPT.com is probably the easiest place to find everything. Um, for a lot of the stuff that we talked about as well, I have on some sheets. So if anyone's interested in that mobility series that I talked about, or even that glute strengthening series, feel free to reach out to me. Uh, either message me in the group. My email address is Santoro M as in Matthew T as in Thomas at gmail.com. So hit me up on the website, reach out to me via email. I'll get you all that information. Uh, so everything's in a, in a sheet that's already laid out. You just kind of follow step by step and, kind of get some of those results as far as mobility or strength goes all right thanks so much matt hey guys if you enjoyed this content please give us a five star rating on itunes so that we can get this in front of more people thank you do you want to take your fitness to the next level join our 
Golf Fitness Tips Facebook group to learn more about how you can improve your fitness and improve your golf game by upping your potential through mobility, strengthening, and wellness tips. Again, our Facebook group is Golf Fitness Tips. We'll see you there. Have a good one.